the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Life is filled with both sunshine and storms. But without God's navigation, souls can easily become spiritually shipwrecked. Anchored in Christ is a weekly broadcast that ministers the scriptures so we can know Christ the Savior and enjoy salvation, security, strength, and stability found only in Him as we set sail through life's marvelous journey. Here's Pastor David Kahiwat. Exodus 33, 13-23, the scripture says, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up thence. Uh, hence. And wherein shall I be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and the people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Verse number nine, uh, 18, Charles, um, Charles Spurgeon said about that verse of Moses' request, he said, this is the greatest request a man has ever made of God. And you know, I think he's, he's right. To see God's glory is to see God himself. It was as if Moses was saying, let me see you as you really are. You know, usually when men pray, they want something special or some favor from God. They say, Lord, help me find a job. Lord, heal my child. Lord, reveal your will to me or increase my faith or save me from this awful day of trouble that I'm in right now. We're praying, Lord, find us a new location a larger building. We want some favor from God. And while these prayers are noble in themselves because they ask of God what only God can do, if we ask that a mountain be cast into the sea, we're asking for something that we basically ourselves cannot do. But to ask to see God's glory... That is a prayer that stands alone. It's a category in and of itself. 
No other request can be compared to it. You see, God's glory is the sum total of his excellence. His glory is all the excellence of his mercy, the excellence of his love, the excellence of his long-suffering, the excellence of his uh, holiness, and we continue it with all his attributes. And here's the beauty about God. God wants us to experience him. God wants us to know him. Psalm 34, verse 8, the prayer says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. My prayer has been that we get a true revival experience of God's glory. Now, we can only understand this request that Moses made if we understand and consider the context. Moses had just spent 40 days on the Mount Sinai communing with the Lord, chapter number 32. And during those days on the mountain, God revealed to Moses his law, and and they wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone with his own finger. And while Moses was with the Lord, the children of Israel grew restless, so Aaron gathered the uh, gold earrings and the, the gold from the people, and they constructed a golden calf. You remember this account. The Lord knew all about it, and he told Moses that he was going to destroy the nation, start all over with a new nation, and that would, a, a new nation that would worship him and not turn to idols. But Moses, not thinking about himself, thinking only about God's people and God's character, interceded with the Lord for his stiff-necked, rebellious people. Then when Moses came down from the mountain, he saw the people in their wild celebration. He threw down the stone tablets in anger, and he burned the golden calf, ground it to powder, mixed it with water, and made the Israelites drink it. You remember that account? This is the context of what's happening. He called for those who were still loyal to God to rally by his side, and the Levites stood with him at his instruction, and there were a few others that that, uh, stood with him, and they went through the camp getting rid of the idolaters. On that day, 3,000 Israelites were killed. The next day, Moses pleaded with God for forgiveness for the nation of Israel. He even asked God to blot out his name from God's book in order to save the people of Israel. You remember that? God told him to lead the people away from Sinai and toward the promised land, but with one significant condition. Look in verse number 3 of Exodus 33. He says, Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. What an indictment. This is my greatest fear, that as we, as a church, make a major decision, we do it, without the Lord going with us. It happens more often than you think in our own life's decisions. We, in our haste, get on with life. We, may, we want to take control of the situation, and the results never work out as we hope. And I wonder how many of us can look back at some major decisions, or will look back at some un- upcoming decisions and say, I, I see it now, that the Lord really wasn't in that at all. I did all this by myself. The tragedy of going on without the Lord is that we generally don't discover it until it's too late to do much about it. 
Wrong decisions cannot be often undone. So Moses interceded with God again. And this time he said in verse number 13 through 15, if you don't go with us, we aren't going to go. So Moses uh, asked God to be with them. And that's the right attitude to have. If God has led you out of Egypt, you better not leave him behind at Mount Sinai. You need to wait until you're sure that God's presence is with you wherever you go. And we need to make sure that whatever decision we make in life, whatever decision we make as a church, it is made with God's blessing and God's presence according to his his will. Even Israel knew not to pack up their tents until a pillar of cloud moved and the pillar of uh, fire moved away. Some of us, however, are so stiff-necked that we sacrifice God's glory for our temporary personal gain so many people make major life decisions because they look at it financially vocationally or socially but never look at it missionally when we make our decisions based on god's mission for us then the vocation finances and social things fall into place when we make our decisions based on god's mission for us however god will take care of everything else Then comes Moses' great request in verse number 18. Verse number 18, Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And God's answer was a qualified, yes, I will show you my glory. But he said, I'm not going to show you all of it. Because he knew no one can see God's face and live. Moses saw in verse number 19, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. But he said, I'm not going to let you see all my glory. You can see all my goodness. He wanted Moses to know God's goodness, God's love, God's mercy. But the glory of God brings the justice of God because it is encapsulized all his holiness. Moses was able to see the back back part of, of God's glory as he passed by. When God put Moses on that cleft of the rock and hid him by the hand, and as God passed by, God removed his hand, and then something great happened. That's all Moses could see was just that little sliver of God's glory so that he wouldn't die. And some amazing things happened. My prayer for us today is for us to see or experience a sliver of the glory of God, not just this morning. When we have revival services as well, and throughout the rest of our lives, as we worship Him, that we see the glory of God. If we're not, excuse me, if we're going to see revival, we need to see a sliver of God's glory. We need to experience the glory of God. So this morning, I want to preach to a message I've entitled "Experiencing the Glory." Of God, And let me share with you several things from this passage about experiencing the glory of God. Number one, we experience the glory of God in the midst of crisis. If you look at Exodus 32 and Exodus 33, there was a whole lot of difficulty going on. In Moses' time, there was darkness in the season of his ministry. When Moses prayed, show me your glory, it was after the children of Israel had begun to worship the golden calf. It was after a loss of 3,000 souls. 
It was when Moses prayed this way, it was after he had broken the tablets of the Ten Commandments. And it was after he had asked that his name be blotted out of the book for the sake of his people. And his prayer came after he had saved the nation from destruction and after he had received God's promise not to abandon his people. No doubt, no doubt Moses was going through a time of crisis as the leader and the nation was in crisis because they were a stiff-necked and rebellious people. If there was a nation that needed revival, it was Israel. And it was a, it was a time of crisis where the people of God needed revival. With all this negativity, Moses needed some form of encouragement. And so he prayed. He cried out. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Sometimes God allows us to go through a crisis in order to get our focus off ourselves and unto him. Somebody once said, sometimes God puts us on our back so that the only place to look is up. You know, it's hard to see the excellence of God's character when life is going really well. However, when you're going through a crisis at a level you've never experienced before, when you ask God to show you His glory through that dark hour, that's when He illuminates His beauty and magnificence to you. There are some of you here, you've gone through some major crises as well, from loss of loved ones, loss of jobs, family difficulties, and so on and so on and so on. Let me tell you, in those hours, in those hurts, we would do well to get on our knees before God and cry out, Lord, show me thy glory. Robert Browning Hamilton wrote this magnificent poem that goes like this. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and there a word said she. But oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. You know, we learn more in the darkness than we do in the light. In the darkest hours of life, God's glory shines the brightest. It's not coincidence that Moses experienced God's glory in the midst of crisis that he was just going through chapters 32 and 33. And the same thing will be for us as well. Number two, we experience the glory of God, but there's a cost. We experience the glory of God, but there's a cost. In verses 20 through 23, the Bible says, And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Moses asked, show me thy glory. But God said, I could. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. He said, I could, but it'll cost you something. It could cost you your life for me to show you my unadulterated glory. He said, I'll show you, but, you ha but I'll have to place you between a rock and a hard place. A cliff of the rock. For you to experience all my glory, there's a price that comes with it. In a sense, Moses had really no idea what he was asking for. He wanted to see God's glory, but it meant 
seeing God in his essence, which could cost him his life. No man could see God's essence and live, but Moses was willing to die to see it. Moses received his answer, but not in the way he expected. And it didn't come without a revelation of his weaknesses. And the same thing is true for us. If we want to know the Lord better, we want to come closer to him, we want to grow in grace, we hope to move forward in our spiritual journey, we say we really want revival. But it will come at a cost. Do you really want it? There's a price to be paid if it means dying to self. If you want revival, are you willing to say, Lord, show me your glory, even if it means I die? Are you willing for God to do that? You know, we want certain blessings, but we have no idea the costs involved. When we pray, Lord, show me thy glory like Moses, we're asking for something that goes far beyond our limited abilities to receive. And if you want to experience the glory of God, are you willing to put your life at stake and die to self? Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse number 23, He said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Are you willing to do that? You want revival? Are you willing to pay the price? If you want to see the glory of God in this revival, are you willing to pray that God will strip you completely of yourself? We must see our own weaknesses in a personal way before um, we can behold His glory. And so, we experience the glory of God in the midst of crisis. We experience the glory of God at a personal cost. Thirdly, I want you to see that we experience the glory of God When we do, there will be change. When we experience the glory of God, there will be change. In chapter number 34, and verse number 9, the Bible says, And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for an inheritance. Drop down to verse number 29. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Moses said, Lord, I know that our people are a stiff-necked people. I'm praying that you pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for thine inheritance. And God said, all right, I'm going to do that. And so he saw the glory of God, the back part of the glory of God. And the Bible says that when he came down from the mountain, that he didn't know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. When Moses came down from the mountain, his face was radiant because he had been spending time with God. And his face shone but he didn't know it. He had been with God so long that some of God's glory rubbed off on him, if you will. And the people saw his shining face and knew that Moses had been with God. 
Moses had no idea that his face was shining until the people told him. Evidently, it was too much to, to look at, so Moses veiled his face so that he wouldn't blind the people. Here's a principle to learn, folks. When we spend time with God, there will be an evident change in us. When God's glory is on us, there will be an evidence. 2 Corinthians 5.17 speaks of salvation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When you experience the glory of God, your focus will be taken off yourself and placed on the Lord. The whole time Moses was up there on the mountain, he was focused on God and was wanting to know how to lead his people. He wasn't focused about himself. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Sometimes we pray, Lord, show me thy glory, hoping for some deep personal experience that will transform us uh, on the inside. Although we wouldn't say it this way, we secretly hope that by drawing close to God, we will have some experience that will make us better people, banish our doubts, increase our faith, free us from temptation, and fill our hearts with joy. In short, we want to know God better for our own benefit. But in Moses' case, the real benefit was seen by others. He wanted God's glory for their benefit. He wanted God's glory for God's glory. But the people saw the visible evidence of God's work. And the people saw it even before Moses did. He wasn't even aware of it. Now, folks, if we talk about how close we are to God and we brag about our, our relationship with God, how close really are you to God? If you have to tell people, maybe you're just trying to convince yourself of what you're really not. But if you are truly walking closely with God, you don't have to tell people. People will know. People will see it. No one here should be so confident that you think you've arrived spiritually. There's nobody here that is so spiritually confident that we say, I don't need revival. Yes, you do. We all do. If you think you've arrived, you're lost and in the wrong place. You're on the wrong GPS setting. We all have a long way to go in our spiritual growth. But don't focus on your own progress. Focus on being faithful to God and desiring to see God's glory through prayer, through His Word, through His work in your heart, His uh, work in your mind and life and ministry. So don't be dismayed if you feel that you haven't made any progress spiritually. It's okay. Just stay faithful to God and you may have made more progress than you realized. By the way, it's other people who should see it because we can lie to ourselves. Jeremiah seventeen nine says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We can tell ourselves, Oh yeah, I've grown here, 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 and here. But when in reality, we could have deceived ourselves and we really haven't. Other people will see it though. But no matter how far we come, 
there's always more ground to cover for the Lord. And often when we think that we're going in circles, we're actually ascending the mountain of the Lord. And sometimes it takes a friend who can say, look how far you've come. I can see God's work in your life. And you want to know how much you've really grown? Ask your family members. Because they'll see. They know and see you in areas where other people don't see you. So let me close with this. Our trials aren't meant to destroy us. Our crises aren't there meant to consume us. God intends for our hard times to seek His glory. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. There's great encouragement for all of us from this ancient account. In a time of crisis, Moses dared to pray a magnificent prayer to the Lord. He asked for more than any man had asked for before, and he received more than any man ever received. Yet both the prayer and the answer came in a time of crisis through a revelation of Moses' own weakness. He knew he couldn't lead this, this uh, people alone, so he cried out to God. And the answer was seen by others before it was even seen by Moses. His face was shined, shining with God's glory. If you're willing to be made weak, you will learn things about the Lord that you never knew when you were strong. Because that's always been God's way. The strong feel like they don't need God. They're self-sufficient. Or so they think. But those who recognize their weaknesses, they're the ones who are hidden in the cleft of the rock. And they're the ones who truly see a sliver of the glory of God. You've been listening to Anchored in Christ with Pastor David Kehiwat. For more information, visit anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Tune in next week at the same time for Anchored in Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.